Hey everyone, it's Chris Platty here. Now before I toss it to today's episode, the Southeast Division Preview with my good friend Philip Rossman Ray, host of the Lockdown Magic Podcast and editor at the Orlando Magic Daily, I do want to do some quick little housekeeping. So first things first, this is the first division preview I will be doing. Um, there will be six episodes and they will all feature guests from a team in the division and we will look at the biggest challenges each team faces for this season and also we'll do a little Vegas over under win totals. Also, I'm now on YouTube. Yes, last week, in case you missed it, I dropped the 200th episode of the podcast Strictly Hip Hop and Strictly Hoop Talk, the first ever crossover featuring Dead End Hip Hop on Deck TV and also my guy Will Gill of the Hip Hop Review Podcast. That is the video version. Now, for those of you who subscribed to my feed on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever, you got the audio version of it. But the video version of that podcast is on YouTube, and you can find it by searching Chris Platty. Make sure to subscribe. That's C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. And you're going to want to turn on post notifications because com- coming sometime next week, I will be uploading my first Vinyl Collections video now, now, I have a massive vinyl collection for those of you that have followed me on Instagram, Snapchat, wherever you've seen my vinyl collection a little bit here and there. But now I'm going to start doing videos, diving in, basically explaining how I got each record and also what I think of that album in a brief little synopsis. It's going to be very, very fun. I'm so excited to show you guys my vinyl collection. I, got, I am already picking out the vinyls I got for the episode next week. But yeah, that will be up sometime next week. So turn on post notifications and once again, subscribe at Chris Platty or just search Chris Platty on YouTube and you will find me and subscribe to me and also check out the 200th episode. Leave a like, share, comment, do all of that stuff. And lastly, I do want to close with if you have not yet, please follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Those are my two main uh, social media platforms. That is the best way to find out not only not only just when my content is coming but also on twitter or instagram i will post quick little thoughts on something some things i i give my opinion on and i don't i don't do a whole video on because it doesn't warrant a whole video but it's just something that in the moment fascinates me and i give a quick little take on it so again at real chris platty c-h-r-i-s-p-l-a-t-t-e and if you don't know how to spell real don't follow just kidding follow anyways now let's get to today's episode Southeast Division Preview with my good friend, Philip Rossman Ray. All right, hello everyone and welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty. And it is time to get back into season previews. And we're doing it the the Strictly Hoop Talk way, which is breaking it down division by division. Returning for the third annual Southeast Division Previews. My guy, site expert and editor of the Orlando Magic Daily and host of the Locked On Magic. My guy, Philip Rossman Rake. Philip, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing I'm doing really good. I'm I'm excited to talk to you because to be honest with you, I wanted to get some podcasts in last year with the Orlando Magic, but 
uh, just couldn't just couldn't find the right time to to get it going. So I'm I'm really excited because this is the first time we've been able to talk about your Magic since uh, since they turned it around and had a great season last year. Yeah, it was a really fun season in Orlando. Uh, just uh, unexpected playoff season, but you know, as we all know, the the world keeps turning, and and now you got to find a way to a do it again and be be a little bit better. Yep, and we'll definitely get to them, but. You know how we do on the on the Strictly Hoop Talk podcast, which is we start at the bottom and work our way up. So for the first time this year, we'll be saving the Orlando Magic for last. Um, let's start with the with the Hawks. So what we're going to do for each team is we're going to each pose one question they face coming into the season, and then we'll look at their over under what what Vegas has them at, and we'll make a prediction. So let's start with the Hawks. Philip, I'll, I'll let you take it. Uh, what, what's your question going into the season for the Atlanta Hawks? Yeah, my, my question for the Hawks is just how much of a leap are they going to take? Um, you know, I think the Hawks are a kind of trendy pick to sneak into the playoffs this year. Uh, I think a lot of people are really excited about what they're building. And and they have a really interesting core that, that they've started to coalesce around. They kind of got their star in last year's draft. It probably should have been Luka Doncic, but Trey Young's not a bad consolation prize even if you made that trade for him um but trey young's a really nice player john collins is starting to come into his own uh they got a couple other really nice young players they had a really strong draft but they're just so so young it's hard for me to completely buy into them this year i think they are a team on the rise i think they will be better this year they'll be certainly very pesky but i'm just not sure they're quite ready to hit the big stage and so i do wonder just how much they're going to improve this season and how much better they're going to be or whether they'll still make some of those youthful mistakes that could cost some wins uh, here and there. Yeah, and you know, I, I think that's I think you hit it right on the head when it comes to this team. This team reminds me a lot of the Brooklyn Nets of a couple years ago, right? That team that nobody wanted to play and well it was it well playoffs were kind of a possibility. It was more like it was more likely that they weren't a playoff team than they were. But at the end of the day, it was still a team that nobody wanted to play, uh, especially on a back-to-back or something. And to me, the question with this squad going in is is kind of along the similar lines of of what you talked about with just how big are their leap. And that, to me, will come down to how they prioritize. Will they are they prioritizing the future, or are they prioritize or they are they prioritizing the playoffs? And by prioritizing the future, I mean they got a lot of prospects on this team. You know they got they got eight players on rookie contracts, so giving all those prospects enough minutes to evaluate their talent is going to be very tough to do, and it and it's probably often going to conflict with them playing the best rotation to win games and get into the playoffs. So that's kind of the challenge I see with them. Plus, you got a couple veteran players who I think will play. Alan Crabb, who's now currently, as we're recording, just got busted for two DUIs, so we'll see what what his situation is this year but him Evan Turner and Chandler Parsons I all expect to be players who will try to vie for playoff rotation or for uh roster rotation as is and that's not uh, and that's not counting all of the guys that they that they want to play the DeAndre Hunters the Cam Reddish the Kevin Herters the 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 DeAndre uh Bembry so they have they have a real nice collection of young assets. I'm just worried that they're that they're not going to be able to showcase all of them and really kind of figure out what they have. 
Yeah, and I would also I would also be curious because the the way the Hawks have kind of set themselves up uh, under under Lloyd Pierce as the head coach and and Travis Schlenk their their general manager is it feels like they want to be Golden State East with Trey Young able to stretch the floor out to you know the half court it seems like almost Kevin Herter is a great shooter John Collins is a good stretch four mm-hmm. but they got a lot of other players on that team that that I don't think quite fit that style like an Evan Turner. Is you know he's a gap filler. He's not a bad player, but he's he's a mid range shooter, mm-hmm. not much of a three point shooter. Uh, you know Vince Carter's on the back half of his career. Jabari Parker is you know not much of a three point shooter either. Uh, I do wonder how much those veteran players are, like you said, going to get in the way of some of those young players from playing, and b how much they're actually going to fit and help this team win if the playoffs are really a goal. And, and this Eastern Conference, anyone with half half a talent should at least enter the season thinking we can make the playoffs, but. I do wonder how quickly they'll flip that switch to well, we're going for the playoffs to we need to start developing our young talent. Yeah. Yeah, that is the exact situation that they find themselves in. And I think it's going to be a tough it's going to be tough to uh, a tough line to thread when, when you're looking at the future and and the present. Um the, the things they have going for them though is that they are dead last in team salary coming in, so they have to they have the lowest payroll in the NBA, despite taking on the massive contracts of Alan Crabb, Evan Turner, and Chandler Parsons. So that just shows you how how much financial flexibility they have going into the future, because all of those are coming off the books, and that's going to equate to over sixty million dollars in cap space next off season, and what could be a not a great free agency by any means, but but I mean we've seen before cap space can allow you to do a lot of things especially if there's a disgruntled superstar they have some packet say have some some prospects some picks they could package um so Atlanta's in a good position moving forward they're over under set at 33.5 I got them at just below the under last season they had 22 wins I got them anywhere from 28 to about 30 wins yeah I think it feels like 33.5 is right about the number. I could see them getting up to like 35, 36 wins and really being in this race. But more likely than not, yeah, you're probably right. They're probably a low 30s team. So I'll go slightly under. I'll, I'll peg them at like 30, 31 wins this year. Yeah. All right. Let's jump to another team that is not in as great of a situation moving <laughs> forward. And that is the Washington Wizards. Um, the Washington Wizards obviously had a very, very interesting offseason. Um, they went through they went through a lot of acqui- they went through not a lot of acquisitions but a lot of uh, a lot of just finding themselves getting a new GM all all of that stuff and you know they signed Isaiah Thomas they signed my guy Ish Smith Piston Great Ish Smith um, Magic Great Ish Smith <laughs> Yep Magic Great Ish Smith too I mean Ish Smith is owned by I think I think this is his tenth team now. He's one Something third of the like way to, to punching punching his card there. Yeah, <laughs> um, they lost some interesting pieces. They lost Trevor Reza and Dwight Howard, uh, Bobby Portis. The Thomas Sadaransky signed and trade with the Bulls never really made any sense with me. Um, Jeff Green going to the Jazz, waving Jonathan Simmons. So overall, a very very interesting offseason for Washington, considering their cap space. They're thirteenth in cap with a very subpar team. That is the 13th highest payroll. So for me, their challenge coming into season is evaluating Bradley Beal as a franchise and see how you feel from there. Because obviously Bradley Beal is the best player on the franchise and uh, and, and has, the, has the best chance of, if you want to build moving forward, that is the guy. 
but at the same time with all these bad contracts and and this and this tough situation they're in i mean they are years away from from even remotely getting to a good place because that John Wall contract is absolutely horrendous and he'll be out most likely all of this year with a, with a super max contract on the books. So Washington is not in a good place. But to me, that, that, that really makes it very important that they nail Bradley Beal and they either figure out, okay, this is a moment we're going to commit to him long term or we have to trade him, get some picks, maybe unload some bad salary and get this and get this rebuild going. Yeah, I think that's 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 hitting the nail on the head. I mean, this season for Washington is really all about Bradley Beal. I mean, he is the guy and and I think he proved last year how good of a player he can be. Uh the question is how good can he be on his own for an 82 game season and can he get through a whole 82 game season because if you take Bradley Beal off this roster the Wizards look really, really bad. I mean, I know they like Thomas Bryant a lot. I know they got some interesting young guys. Um, you know, maybe Isaac Bonga gets a second chance here. You know, Rui Hachimura is an interesting player, uh, but he's a rookie. They really don't have a lot of kind of high-level players. Uh, losing Isaiah Thomas, I think they were hoping that Isaiah Thomas, a healthy Isaiah Thomas, would kind of buoy them a little bit and keep them in that playoff race and keep them relevant. But Outside of Bradley Beal, there's not much on this roster. I'm actually kind of looking at their roster here for the first time, and I'm surprised how little is on this roster that can help them. And, and I think this is really a rebuilding uh, like rebuilding year, like you said, and they got to figure out what they're going to do with Bradley Beal moving forward. Uh, and then, of course, get John Wall healthy because they're not moving off that contract anytime soon. No, not anytime soon. Um, Phil, I, I'm, I'm not – a hundred percent clear on this but i believe they they can qualify for the um for the injury compensation right for john wall they should be able to right because of they how much sh- he's if, missing if, if he is if he is out for the year i believe they should get it um i don't know how much that would be i know the lakers just got the injury exception for demarcus mm-hmm. cousins but that was only you know one and a half you know nearly two million dollars uh yeah. it's it's not a lot it's not a significant amount um and so you know, Washington is going to have to mine their G League team a little bit. Maybe they're they're going to have mm-hmm. to rely on some young guys, um, and you know they got some second draft guys. You know, Moritz Wagner from the that they got from the Lakers. Uh, you know, they they picked up Jan Mahimi. You have Jan Mahimi, you know, who can still mm-hmm. play a little bit. They got Davis Bertans. They got some interesting role players, but no one that you expect to score at the level that Bradley Beal would need to have the support to win. And I, again, I think yeah. the, I think the idea was. Let's take a chance on Isaiah Thomas. If he is Isaiah Thomas of old, then we can we can be supported. But now that he's got the the thumb injury that's going to keep him out for you know two months, it's hard to imagine Isaiah Thomas being that guy again. Yeah, yeah. I, Isaiah Thomas is. I don't. I don't think it's likely that he'll be that guy he was again in Boston. But um, yeah, that's definitely what they had to bank on, and that was a good move by them, considering what they signed him for. That was a that was a very well worth it risk, considering the, yes. the situation they were in. And if I do recall, on the injury exception, didn't the Celtics get about like seven million for Gordon Hayward? Uh, it, I th- it might be it might be dependent on the salary. So I mean, John yeah. Wall's got thirty million dollars, so he he might get like a five or six million dollar exception. But mm-hmm. again, you know, who are you signing with that? You know, the one guy that I can think of that might help Washington a lot that would be worth the risk that you could probably get for five or six million dollars and keep him happy might be Carmelo Anthony. But yeah. um, uh, who knows if that's the direction that Washington wants to go? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I can't see I can't see moving forward. 
where they're gonna add help without um without doing something you're not you're not gonna find the help that you need with that contract um washington is a long way off and and unless bradley beal has this humongous superstar season it's not happening in washington this year yeah it's not and that john wall contract unfortunately is like two years away from being considered to be room to be moved like Right now, I mean, I don't think any team in the league, no matter how many picks you offer them, is 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 taking that contract. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I think that contract is about as untradeable as it can be because, unlike you know Chris Paul, who has a very similar contract, Chris Paul is playing, and Chris yeah. Paul's you know still playing at a decently high level. Um, John Wall, right now, nobody knows what his health status is. Um, you know, he, he had a pretty significant injury. Uh, and, and it's hard to predict what he's gonna gonna give you. Yeah. Uh, so their over under is at twenty seven and a half. Last season they got thirty two wins. Uh, I did not think they were going to get as high as thirty two, but I, but Bradley Beal kind of carried them a little bit longer, averaging about thirty points since the All Star break. So Bradley Beal played phenomenal, and it translated to some decent wins. But I still I still have them at the under just because I I. I just can't see a Bradley Beal-led team winning more than 28, 29 games. Yeah, I'm going to take the under. This this team reeks of, you know, Bradley Beal has a sore ankle. He's going to sit out for two weeks. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, this, that, this team reeks of, we got to restock our cabinet. Let's play the lottery. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's jump to another team that unfortunately has a bleak outlook, and that is the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets had a uh, very interesting offseason, and I don't mean interesting in a great sense because uh, they they lowballed Kemba Walker, which ended up resulting in Kemba Walker deciding to leave them for the Boston Celtics in a sign and trade. Jeremy Lamb signing with the Pacers, Frank Kaminsky signing with the Suns, Tony Parker retiring, and all they added was Terry Rozier and their and their draft picks, PJ Washington. Cody Martin and Jalen McDaniels. Now, I do like some of the prospects on the Hornets. Like, I I do very much like Miles Bridges, and I'm not just saying that as a Michigan State guy. I actually, for those of you that listen to the podcast, know I don't really watch too much college hoops. I probably watch more of Miles Bridges in the NBA than I did at MSU, what despite going there to college while he was there. But uh, I do like him. And I don't like Terry Rozier at the at the three uh, three years fifty seven million dollar contract that they signed him to. I mean, to me, Charlotte's just in a in a horrible position. They are fourteenth highest in salary with potentially the worst roster in the league. Uh, so for me, their challenge this season is they have to find ways to unload salary, but also keep their future picks. Yeah, and 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 Charlotte, I I agree with you. Charlotte probably has the worst roster in the league. I, I'm not a believer. Of Terry Rozier as your primary point guard, um, you know I think I think he'll put up numbers, and that's obviously yeah. a team that's designed for him to put up numbers. But uh, unless Nicol- Nicholas Batum is playing at an All Star level again, which you know he played all right the FIBA World Cup, but he's kind of been off in the NBA for the last two three years. Mm-hmm. Um, this this roster just doesn't have it. Um, they're going to rely on a lot of their young guys, and you know I was I did watch Miles Bridges quite a bit at, in college because I too am a Big Ten guy, um, but. Uh, I, I did not expect Miles Bridges to be this good at the NBA level. I honestly think he's yeah. better been better at the NBA level than he was at the college level, and I'm really excited to see what he becomes. So they'll they'll give him uh, the op- some opportunity. Malik Bunk will finally get some opportunity. So you're relying on a lot of young guys 
to really kind of build up your roster. And, mm -hmm. you know, young guys sneak a win here and there, but they don't win consistently. And so I think yeah. this is a group that's that's going to be growing and, and using this year to develop. I agree. Uh, not too much to say with them. Their, their last season, 39 wins. Their over-unders at 23.5, which is one of the lowest in the NBA. Uh, I believe, actually, that is the lowest, according to Vegas. Uh, I'm going with the under. Just because, I mean, I thought for I thought for years the only thing holding that franchise together was Kemba Walker. So, um, no disrespect, but I I can't see them getting over 20, 23 wins. I, I hate I always hate to predict an NBA team because they do have NBA talent. Will finish with fewer than you know to finish around twenty wins. Twenty three and a half feels like exactly the number. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would I would stay away from that to be perfectly honest. But yeah. I could see them winning twenty four. I could see them winning twenty one, twenty two. So it, it it could be anywhere. Yeah. All right. Let's jump to the Miami Heat. So the Miami Heat again are another team that had a very interesting offseason, considering the fact that um, they went from losing Dwayne Wade to out of almost nowhere in the span of like in the span of like twenty four hours getting Jimmy Butler. Um, so they got Jimmy Butler, Myers Leonard, and Kyle Alexander, along with their draft picks, Tyler Harrow and Casey Okpala, I believe is how you pronounce it. And they lost Dwayne Wade, Hassan Whiteside, who they traded with Portland, Josh Richardson, who they traded to Philly in the Jimmy Butler trade, and Ryan Anderson, whom they waived. So I feel like they had a good offseason considering the fact that they weren't in a good position with, with Dwayne Wade clearly being ready to to move on and retire, obviously announcing his retirement, and then Hassan Whiteside being a player that's been underwhelming for the Heat since he signed that extension. So I thought it was great for them to somehow end up with a guy like Jimmy Butler. Um, they are fourth in payroll, so they're very high in the league. So to me, what they have to do is my, Miami, more than any team in the league, they have to stay diligent and consistent in their pursuit for another star to target, um, to pair with Jimmy Butler. Maybe Gordon Hayward, if they if if it sours in Boston and Boston's looking to dump that early, maybe Miami can add some uh, can add you know add some add some players to give uh, to give Boston some cap relief because they'll have to extend Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum coming up soon, so that could get very very expensive in Boston really quick. Uh, I maybe Bradley Beal if Bradley Beal uh, doesn't work out in Washington, but the Heat to me have to stay consistent in their pursuit for another star. Yeah, I mean I think that's that's obviously the idea that Pat Riley has. Uh, but you know, kind of my big question for Miami is more about what's what's on the roster now, and to me that's the question at point guard. It's yeah. uh, what are they what are they going to do with Goran Dragic and, and Justice Winslow? Um, they they yeah. Miami experienced a lot of success last year with Justice Winslow playing the point guard, and and I think you could fairly argue that they missed the playoffs last year because Winslow got hurt down the stretch. Uh, they tried to trade Goran Dragic this offseason, and that trade fell through. Um, it was reported completed, and then it just fell through for some reason. And so you got to wonder how Dragic is feeling. And, and it just feels like, to me, this Miami roster is not particularly deep. They, they do fine guys. So, you know, I trust Pat Riley to, and Eric Spolstra a ton and, and don't take yeah. anything they do. You know, I assume everything they do is correct. Um, but this team is not particularly deep. Um, if Jimmy Butler goes down, you know, their season changes completely. If, if Goran Dragic or Justice Winslow gets hurt, their, change, their season changes completely. If Bam Adebayo isn't ready to step into the starting center role, their their season changes a little bit. And so yeah. I think Miami has the potential to be very good because Jimmy Butler 
is far and away the best player in this division. And, you mm-hmm. know, in the NBA, the best player usually wins. Yeah. Jimmy Butler is that dude. He can find he can, he can carry teams to the playoffs and expect him to carry Miami to the playoffs if he can stay healthy the whole season, which no reason to think that he can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but one little thing goes wrong for Miami, and I think it, it feels like a little bit like a house of cards that could collapse very, very easily. Yeah, that's a that's a great point um, when it comes to the Heat that they are probably one of the uh, one of the I gotta choose my words right when it comes to it, but they are probably one of the most fragile teams in the league, right? Where they're they're held together with glue and Jimmy Butler. If if everything stays right and stays good, Jimmy Butler could be that guy, and this could be a you know this could be like a forty five win team, you know, if everybody comes Easily. together, rallies around Jimmy Butler. But it could also end up being a 37, 36 win team that misses the playoffs. And, you know, so it really, really all depends on the supporting piece around them. Obviously, they lost three huge rotation pieces in Wade, Whiteside, and Richardson. And, um, you know, they're hoping that Miles Leonard, Jimmy Butler, and Tyler, Tyler Harrow can be the can be those people that replace that. But yeah, I like I, I really like what you said about it being fragile, and I think there's nothing that exemplifies it more than the point guard in center positions for them with Bam. I think I think he's a good player, but like you said, I have, I have a little bit of trepidation whether he's ready to be a consistent starter in this league. And also Goran Dragic, uh, Goran Dragic and Justice Winslow, you know, I don't know how Drogic is going to be. He's been on the he's been on a pretty sharp decline the last couple seasons, and you know this this whole like trade falling through thing. We saw how that messed with Powell a little bit back in back in the Laker days. Uh, I I just don't think those kind of things go over very well with the players. So I, I'm really interested to see what the Heat are going to do. They're really going to have to bank on Bam Adebayo, Miles Myers Leonard, and Kelly Olynyk. Well, those are three. Uh, decent centers. Uh, it, he the Heat won't have the luxury of having Whiteside and Bam like they did last year, where if one's not feeling it, play the other. Yep, and and I mean Myers Leonard is a fine player, but he's not the defensive presence that that I think they want at the center position. So I think ideally, I mean I think the idea is they'll play Leonard and Adebayo together a little bit with Leonard on the mm-hmm. perimeter offensively and maybe guarding some centers to to give Adebayo more freedom defensively, yeah. uh, but. You know, I think I think if the ultimate plan is an autobio at center, then there's issues with Miami uh, long term. But they've got the best player in the division in Jimmy Butler, and and that's going to carry them a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Now their over under is set at forty three and a half. Last season they got thirty win, thirty nine wins. This is probably the toughest over under for me in the in the division, just because of the simple fact that, like we talked about, how fragile this team is. Um, I would I would totally stay away from it like like you said about Charlotte I would definitely stay away from Miami and their over under because this could easily be 39 wins or this could easily be 45 wins I'm going to though give Eric Spolstra a great coach Pat Riley great architect Miami's ability to maybe add a player to through the season and also and also just the again the brilliance of Eric Spolstra and the talent of Jimmy Butler. I'm gonna go ahead and hit the slight over, um, but I'm not too confident about it. I'm feeling a little bit more confident. I, I think that they will hit the over. Um, uh, again, best player is, is so important. I trust everything Miami does turns out okay. Um, mm-hmm. Even if they're hurt, they always find a way to keep competing. That's just kind of baked into their DNA or the hashtag Heat culture. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think that Miami, I think Miami's probably going to, going to win this division over over my Magic. Um, not that I think Orlando will have a bad year because they don't win the division, but I, I think Jimmy Butler is a guy that just kind of carries dudes on their on his back, and, and I think he'll be able to carry Miami pretty far. Yeah, he will very much embrace this role. Uh, very, very much so. If there's one thing we know about Jimmy, it's that we know he loves playing the hero. Let's jump to the last but not least in the division, your Orlando Magic. I did not think there would be a day coming, Philip, where, where the two of us would be on this podcast doing our annual tradition and having the Magic at the very last of the podcast. But here we are. Your Orlando Magic had a fantastic season. And I know I said this to you off air, but I want to say this again on air for the listeners. As a longtime Piston fan who saw what a decade of frustrating, you know, middleness can do, I, I really was I really was happy for you guys, especially when you got that game one win over Toronto, the eventual NBA champions, by the way. Uh, that so that had to be a great feeling and a great season. Um, they added Al Farouk Aminu and Josh McGetty. And of course, they drafted uh, Chuma Okeke, I believe is how you pronounce Okiki. it. Okiki. Okiki, sorry. And they lost just Timothy Mozgov. Of course, re signing a lot of money to Nikola Vucevic, Terrence Ross, Michael Carr Williams, and Birch. So, so Philip, let's just start there. How do you feel about Orlando's offseason? You know, I think it was it was necessary. Um, you know, I think the Magic, you know, having experienced the success and, and kind of seeing what the next couple summers would look like, um, they, they kind of, I think, understood that maintaining their place and, and kind of keeping the same group together was their best way forward. Um, if, if they would have let Nikola Vucevic go, it's not clear who you would have replace him because Mohamed Bamba is not really ready to step into that role yet. Uh, you know, Ken Burch is a nice player, but I don't see him as a starter. And then you'd have to completely reconfigure your offense or hope that an Aaron Gordon or Jonathan Isaac or, or you know, even a Markel Fultz would be ready to take a step up. And, and, and with all those questions, they weren't prepared to take a step back. So by bringing back the same roster, they seem to at least want to guarantee themselves that they will be the same quality of team. Uh, at the very mm-hmm. least, in the playoff hunt, with the, with you know probably a favorite to make the playoffs uh, this season. Um, you know I think I think that a lot of people believe that the Magic are a playoff team once again, uh, and so I think that was the general idea. It was just something necessary they had to do: recommit to this team, be in a position to make the big deal when it comes around, because that's how the trade market works. It comes around, um, and and just be at and maintain your level for now, and look for ways to improve internally and then improve externally. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, at first, to be honest with you, Philip, I was not I, I was really scratching my head at the Nico Vucevic resigning because of the fact of Mo Bamba. I thought I thought now you're setting up another four years. Uh, you're coming to Vucevic where you're where Mo Bamba is going to most likely unquestionably be behind him for all of those years. And, and I just didn't like that considering how, considering how high of a pick he was. And I thought that I thought that he was a player, while he, he's shown he's not ready yet, he also, um, he, he also, I wonder just how much repetition he can get with Vucevic on this roster. But the more I thought about it, you're absolutely right. Coming off of their best season, they got Niko Vucevic at a pretty decent price. It's declining every year 
which is a very nice thing that they did. And they also did that with the Terrence Ross. Uh, it's inflated next year, but then after next year, it goes down the, the next couple years. And along with Aaron Gordon, obviously fam- famously signing that contract as well, the the uh, the reverse contract, if you will. And, you know, I really like that they, that they stuck this core together. And I do think that having Vucevic and Mobamba guarantees that they will have a, a, a quality center for the next couple years. And, you know, and, and, and again, a lot of this roster is under the is under multiple years together. So it really gives this team a chance to grow. And I feel like this is the first time in the franchise where they have this many key players locked in for this long. Yeah. And I mean, and one bad thing about having this many players locked in is you are locked into them. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to get off them. So if Vucevic takes a step back or isn't the same level as he was last year, that changes a lot of things for this team and mm-hmm. you're kind of stuck with them. If Gordon doesn't continue taking his steps forward, um, you know, you're, 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 you'll be halfway through the contract a, a, after this season. So, you know, there's definitely some trade interest in him and, and his contract is completely immovable. But yeah, that changes a lot of things. Um, the, the Magic will have to pay Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz in a couple years as well. Um, you know, assuming Fultz gets back to gets back to the lineup and gets gets healthy again, and Isaac continues his improvement, there's still a lot of questions about this Magic team. They're still an incredibly young team. Um, they still got a lot of questions to answer, but at yeah. least now they know what they can accomplish. At a baseline, they know they can make the playoffs. So now mm-hmm. it's about how do you get better? How do you take that next step? And and those are the real questions the Magic have to answer this off se- this season. Yeah, I, I would agree. And before we get to their over-under, I do want to ask, just as somebody who's who's covered the Magic, I ha- obviously have no feel for this whatsoever. What is what is your feeling of Markel Fultz? So the Magic all offseason have been very coy about Markel mm-hmm. Fultz. It's, it's, every statement yeah. has been, he's making progress. We're happy with the work that he's putting in. He's a hard, he's hard worker. There's no timetable for his return, and we're not putting a timetable for his return. So nobody really knows how close Fultz is to returning to the court. Um, you know, the, the the coaching staff, Steve Clifford's done a couple interviews lately. He's continued that party line. It's it's not necessarily certain that he will start training camp with the team. My gut feeling, and, and I have no information and no inside sourcing on this, but but my inference and my my gut feeling on Fultz has been. If they needed to play him to play basketball tomorrow, rust aside, he is healthy enough to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue has never been he can't step on a court and shoot a bat. I mean, I think there were some days where maybe that was an issue, but overall, the issue's been the issue has not been he physically cannot go onto a basketball court and do basketball things. Mm-hmm. The issue has been he can't do them every day without feeling pain, and that's what the rehab for thoracic outlet syndrome has been focused on: is relieving the pain and making it so he can go out and play basketball and work out and do all the things that he needs to do on a daily basis without really being concerned about the pain. And it's a pretty bad pain. It it can affect a lot of things. Without that pain coming back, that's been my impression of things. I could be completely wrong on that, but my impression has always been that he is healthy enough to play. It's is he healthy enough to play and not have to worry about being out of the lineup or or having to – Go right. in and out of the lineup. Um, we don't know where Fultz is at. Uh, I have no clue if he will be ready for camp on October 1st. Um, my gut instinct would tell me that, yes, he will. But that's total gut instinct. That's total speculation on my part. It could be October 1st. could be November 1st. 
Nobody really knows except for the Magic. And then they've kind of kept it that way to kind of ease the pressure off of him and make him come back on his schedule when he's physically ready so that there's not any big issues moving forward. Yeah, and I really root for I really root for him because, you know, I just I always hate those stories of the players that you see, like the Anthony Bennett's and all that. Like I know it's easy to make fun of those players and, you know, laugh at how big of a bust. Trust me, I know firsthand because of Darko. But I, I never wish that on anybody. I mean this guy for you know, Anthony Bennett for the rest of his life is going to get made fun of when he goes to a bar or something. And you just never wish that on another human being. So I'm definitely rooting for Markel Fultz, and I think it was, I think it was an awesome, awesome move by the Magic to take this risk on him for what? What was it, the price end up being? Jonathan Simmons. Jonathan second, Simmons. Right? Jonathan Simmons and a first round, a top twenty first round pick from the Oklahoma City Thunder that now looks like is not even going to convey because Oklahoma City thought Oklahoma City Thunder are no longer a top team. So yeah, that was a that was an awesome move for the Magic, and um, I I really I really like that. So hopefully he could come back. Hopefully he could be a contributing player this year, and um, things and things can be good for the Orlando Magic. Their over under is very tricky. Last season they got forty two wins. Um, their over under is set at forty and a half. So it looks like Vegas sees a slight decline in there, but basically being around the same team, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I, I feel, despite going slightly over with 41-42 wins, I feel very confident in that over f- because I do like this Magic team. They are a great defensive team. They were what top, was it six overall for the season? I think they finished 8th overall in the season, 8th overall mm. for the season, and were 2nd uh, uh, or 3rd after the All-Star break. Yeah, yeah, they were an awesome team that 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 really turned it around that second half of the season or the last thirty games, I should say, of the season. And I just really like the like the Orlando Magic. I like that they have continuity coming back. And I I, I just I'm I'm a big fan of this squad. I, I'd love to see Aaron Gordon take a step forward. Um, I've always been a fan of Evan Fournier's game, and you know I'm I'm really curious to see what Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba can do in another year. Uh, so I'm I'm really looking forward to this team. Of course, I have respect for the former Piston DJ Augustine, who absolutely balled in the playoffs too for them. That uh, in Game One, it was he had a, he had a great essential. season overall, and and, and yeah. him playing and being healthy is a big part of this team moving forward, or at least for this year. Yeah, but enough about my opinion. You're the man of the hour when it comes to the Orlando Magic. They're over under at forty point five. What are you taking, Philip? I'm gonna take. The over, I think the Magic will will be a 500 team at least, uh, barring you know crazy injuries. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think they've proven that they've got enough talent, and and I expect young players like Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac to take a step up. I expect Evan Fournier to to kind of fall back to his mean. He had a down year shooting last year, so I expect the Magic to at the very least be as good as they were last year. Um, so mm-hmm. you know I think 40 and a half is is on the low end of the Magic's range of wins. So I would bet the over. I think they will be at least 500 and. You know, I really like Miami, but I think Orlando is going to be right there with them competing in the Southeast Division. Yeah, I definitely think that it's going to come down to those two teams in the Southwest Division or Southeast Division. Sorry. And, you know, that will be interesting to see how, how it all plays out with Miami, Orlando and what seems to be a division that's set up for for one, maybe two, potentially if things all break right three. But 
a very interesting a very interesting division one of the fa- one of my favorite divisions that's why I started with this one for the simple fact that not only did I want to have you back on the podcast so early but I also I also am really intrigued by the fact that you have Charlotte and Washington who could be absolute bottom trench teams and then you have the Magic and the Heat who could be very solid playoff teams so it's it's just a very wacky division yeah, I mean it's 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 a division full of young, interesting teams, and and you know I think it's it's a division that that doesn't have the star power, so I think it's easy to say it, it's one of the worst. And it's got some pretty bad teams in there, but it it's it's going to be a, a group that that's going to find it's going to find you very tough to play. I mean Orlando and Miami will have tough defenses to play. Atlanta is going to require a lot of uh, defensive attention because of their offensive firepower. And, and, you know, as long as Washington has Bradley Beal, they'll, they'll have a very good player that can be dangerous on the court. And then there's Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, and then, there's, and then there's Charlotte. That's perfectly said, Phil. Well, thank you, Phil Ross with Rage. Again, you can check him at the Orlando Magic Daily and the host of his awesome Orlando Lockdown Magic podcast, which I myself listen to. Uh, Phil, I'll let you, I'll let you plug anything else you, anything else you have. No, that's those are the best places to find me. Uh, you find me on Twitter as well at Philip R R underscore OMD. That's Philip with one L, and then also at O Magic Daily for for the latest on the Orlando Magic. All right, Philip, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. And you have my word that this year you will definitely be on a podcast before before next season's preview. Awesome, that I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I'm sure the Magic and Pistons will be battling for playoff positioning once again this season. Yes. All right, Philip, take care. Have a good one. Thank you.